like in general, like with anything in life, right? If you can learn from someone else's experiences and their mistakes without having to repeat them yourself, you're you're going to be much better off, right? And 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 in Sikhi, right? I mean, we uh, we, we believe in this idea of. You know the Guru. Uh, you know, Sikhi was founded in, uh, you know, in the 15th century by Guru Nanak, uh, who was the first Sikh Guru. And you know, the Guru is someone who takes you from darkness to light. Yeah. Right. Uh, that and 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 the reason you follow someone uh, on that path is because they've done it before, right? And and they, and they can make sure you you can get there. So from a mentorship perspective, or having a coach. Um, I, I think it's really important whether you know it's 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 a friend, it's a uh, it's an industry mentor, it's an investor. It's really really important to have someone who's done these types of things that you're going to have to do. Yeah. Right. One more episode. I am so excited about this one um, because this is uh, by far the one that I waited most. This is uh, with none other than my friend, my brother Prabhjot, and we have uh, known each other for so long, and I have uh, seen him turn from uh, you know a social activist into a brilliant entrepreneur, and and he was before that also, but in my eyes. I look up to him for a lot of things. When I need a uh, wisdom, whether it's spiritual, whether it's business, uh, whether it's you know something to do with social activism, I look up to this man, and I'm so happy to have him on the show uh, um, and share it with you guys. So, Prabhjot, welcome, uh, and thank you for coming. Yeah, no, thank you for having me, brother. Uh, this is, I'm um, looking forward to this uh, this podcast. All right, good. So we'll get right into it because Prabhjot has a lot of uh, busy schedule ahead. So let's get started with, uh, you know, you sharing about your journey, how you started uh, from somebody who started as a as everybody does uh, from the normal employee and then transitioning into an entrepreneur journey. Yeah, well, I I think it's a it's it's been a lifelong journey for me. Like I've always I think been a generalist, uh, you know, which means that I'm not really good at any one thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I you know I I sort of a jack of all trades in many regards, which which is a skill set you really need to have as an entrepreneur, right? Because in the morning you could be negotiating you know, large contracts with someone in procurement and in the afternoon you might be taking out the garbage right um so you've you've got to be able to span the gambit and for me the journey kind of started uh shortly after college i you know out of out of college i uh, went to boston university did uh, a degree in computer systems engineering and out of college i joined citigroup they they had this management associate program which uh, John Reed, who was CEO at that time of Citigroup, had come out of that program. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty prestigious, um, well-regarded, well-funded program where they took people uh, for nine months at a time and rotated into different parts of the bank and gave us lots and lots of training of how the you know, banking world works. Uh, they taught us a lot of the soft skills, 
that you need to kind of be successful. And then the idea is you do this for two or three years and then you come out as a, you know, management position in the bank. Mm. So that it, it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And I did it for about nine months because it felt, it felt like uh, the pace was really slow. Um, and at that time there was a company out in California uh, that had just raised their uh, funding round and, you know, they were kind of pre-revenue. It was, uh, it was about 15 people and they didn't have anyone on the East coast. I live in New Jersey at that time. So, uh, you know, recruiter contacted me and as they say, the rest is history. I'd never been to California. I, I flew out to the Bay area, really fell in love with the team. Uh, and, you know, I, I got to kind of see the journey from 15 people to about 250 people and, you know, being kind of almost pre-revenue to $60 million, you know, in revenue. And then, you know, it was a, and then we were acquired by a big company. Um, and, you know, I, I got to have a role as sort of running marketing for, for, uh, you know, computer associates for the team that part of. So it, that for me was really a transformational experience because I got to learn so much and, you know, we did so many things right. And, you know, a lot of things we didn't do so right. Uh, but, you know, I learned from all of that. That's amazing. And how was your transition? So you grew up, you mentioned in the East Coast, right? And then moving to Bay Area, were there cultural differences? Um, you know, in terms of the work itself, I, I know I, when I moved to U.S., I moved to U.S., New Jersey, and then I moved to Bay Area. I saw a lot of difference. How was your experience? Yeah, I, I didn't move to the Bay Area, uh, you know, first, probably till 10 years after I joined that company. Uh, but I got to travel the world, uh, you know, with Wiley. Um, and, and for me, that was great because meeting customers, uh, just sort of interacting with different kinds of people, understanding sort of what what their issues were and how to solve those issues was was really a foundational experience for me. And, and, you know, while I was on the East coast, the, the other, I think, formative experience from an entrepreneurship perspective was, um, was nine 11, right? So after nine 11, uh, you know, I, 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 both six, uh, we follow the sick faith and six were attacked right after nine 11 across the country. Yeah. And we've been in, we've been in the U S for a hundred years but people didn't really understand who six were. And, you know, we, we, we faced hate crimes, employment discrimination, all kinds of issues. And I actually took some time off from Wiley um, right after 9-11 and helped set up uh, an organization called the Sick Coalition, yeah. right? Which, uh, which was really my first startup in many ways, yeah. right? Because uh, we started, you know, as a RACAP group of volunteers. And the coalition today, you know, is a multi-million dollar nonprofit employees, uh, you know, do dozens of people and contractors and, you know, has over the last 20 years, because, you know, we're, it's been 20 years since 9-11, really worked to help shape policy, defend the rights of, of six and other minorities in the U.S. And, you know, getting that going from an idea phase to hiring the first employees to really helping institutionalize that really was, you know, an entrepreneurial journey, right? So I, I, I learned so much in that experience mm -hmm. that I brought with me to, you know, my my private sector entrepreneurship exp uh, you know, exploits. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I uh, 
when 9-11 happened, like I had, I just moved to US a month ago. So then 9-11 happened, you know, all the dreams that I had with, you know, oh, companies going to just embrace me and with open arms and I'm going to be one of those engineers there. They all went like tanked. And, and it was interesting uh, uh, change in the dynamics overnight, like how people started to see you because prior to 9-11, I don't even know who Bin Laden was. I know it's just going a little bit off track, but uh, it's shifted very quickly. Like you were almost like a target because of uh, people were not aware uh, of, you know, what different cultures we are turban. If you were not a turban, you were just a target. And so that was an interesting time. So yeah, yeah, no, it was it was a it was an insane time because you know you had middle people from Middle Eastern descent being targeted, you know, Sikhs were being targeted, you know, Latinos that look Middle Eastern were being targeted. Yeah. So uh, it, it was very unfortunate, and uh, you know, and thankfully we were able to sort of mobilize the Sikh community. Yeah, right. But coming back to sort of you know entrepreneurship and you know social entrepreneurship in this case. Um, the the building blocks are were very similar, right? And and we very much ran the coalition from the early days in, in a in a results from a results driven perspective, where we had objectives, we were making sure we were meeting the objectives. You know, we had to fundraise just like you do in, in the private sector, right? Um, and, and of course, those funds get deployed differently, and there's different measurements of success, but. At a fundamental level, it it was exactly the same. Yeah, that's amazing. And and just so uh, for knowledge of the audience, your background, like your uh, family, uh, didn't come from business, or did they? Like, were they? Uh, you know, your parents were they in the job market, or you know, nine to five, or whether they had the business experience. Yeah, they well. I I mean, I I think uh, entrepreneurship sort of runs in the in in the blood, and uh, as does sort of displacement, right? My uh, my grandfather and grandmom uh, on my on my dad's side, um, I, you know, lived in Pakistan, right? And during the partition, they they you know, they had left everything and walked across the border to mm. to Punjab, and my dad was born on the border in September of 47, right? And, and my, you know, grandfather had to start all over again, right? My, my grandparents went through similar displacement on my mom's side in terms of, you know, having to start all over again, right? Mm -hmm. And then after, you know, 1984 and the, you know, tax against sex in India, we, uh, we, we migrated to the U.S., right? My parents and kind of started all over again, right? And a very similar fashion, and you know, and my dad was, you know, he was a successful entrepreneur. I, I've learned learned so much from him in terms of, you know, coming into a, a new country where, you know, he was forty years old when he uprooted his family and literally started all over again, right? And my mom and dad kind of did that, and and I think, you know, I and my siblings have always sort of really appreciated them making that sacrifice right because they did it for us right and and i think for me that 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 sort of fuels my desire to also sort of give back for the greater good mm, amazing i i didn't know about uh, uh that but and my just so interestingly my father was two days old when my grandfather 
uh, you know, immigrated or moved from Pakistan to India at that time. So amazing. Um, So moving from your, you know, transitioning from your background of marketing, which is your former strength. uh, And I know you humbly said you're a journalist, but that was your strength that you you took uh, people and, you know, uh, I guess being people's person. What were some of the things that you were take away as a person who was a nine to fiver to transition into entrepreneurship that helped you, you know, become and do things the way you are doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, so I think you have to become in the early days, an expert on, in a lot of things, right. As you're, as you're, as you're sort of getting started. Um, yeah, certainly, you know, ma- managing people and, you know, having that, that experience of sort of, uh, you, you know, making sure that you can project management, manage things and get them from inception to, to delivery. You know, all of those skills are necessary, um, when, when you're, when you're just starting out. But, you know, there's a lot of things that, uh, you, you, you may never have done before, right? So like fundraising. Right, for instance, uh, fundraising, you know, from venture, venture capital, you know, knocking on doors on Sand Hill Road, right? That in itself is a is 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 a skill and an art, right? Yes. That has to be that has to be developed over time, um, and and it certainly was for me, right? To sort of start from with uh, you know, for pies, we started with angel investors in the early days, and then you know we 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 brought on kind of institutional capital. Um, with, with VCs and, you know, and, and then that's the, 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 and you've got to sort of learn also how to leverage your investors so that they can help you beyond just the capital, right? Because, uh, and, and that's where, you know, we, we, we talk about sort of smart money and not so smart money, right? Because smart money can help open up doors. They've got industry experience. And then the, I think the other critical thing about investors is, you know, it's say. It, it's 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 a ten year journey, right? That you're signing up for when you bring someone on your cap table, right? As as a as an entrepreneur, so you've got to make sure that you're aligned and you've got people who are going to be with you for the long run uh, and and through the uh, ups and downs, right? Because you've got good weather investors and you know not so good and and people who are you know there who really believe in what you're doing and are going to be with you for uh, for the long haul. Mm-hmm. That's, that's brilliant. So when somebody is, um, you know, starting fresh um, into entrepreneurial journey or somebody aspiring, how important it is to have somebody or a mentor or an example who has already walked? Like, uh, do you see any importance or is it okay to just go and learn? No, you know, like in general, like... With anything in life, right? If you can learn from someone else's experiences and their mistakes without having to repeat them yourself, you're you're going to be much better off, right? And 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 in Sikhi, right? I mean, we uh, we, we believe in this idea of you know the guru. Uh, you know, gu- gu- Sikhi was founded in uh, you know in the 15th century by Guru Nanak, uh, who was the first Sikh guru. And you know, the guru is someone who takes you from darkness to light. Yeah. Right. Uh, that, and, and, and the reason you follow someone, 
uh, on that path is because they've done it before, right? And, and, and they can make sure you, you can get there. So from a mentorship perspective or having a coach, um, I, I think it's really important whether, you know, it's, 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 it's a friend, it's a, uh, it's an industry mentor, it's an investor. It's really, really important to have someone who's done these types of things that you're going to have to do, yeah. right? That has that experience. So, you know, how do you negotiate a term sheet, right? Uh, like all, all of these things are, well, you know, if you, if you're doing something for the first time and you've got someone across the table who's done it 500 times, well, you know, you're not going to be evenly matched. So you definitely need someone on your corner who can help you. And that's just one example, but I think it applies to everything, right? Hiring, firing, uh, negotiating uh, customer agreements, right? Making sure customers are successful, uh, you know, getting real estate, <laughs> you know, uh, like all, all these things are things that you have to do. Um, and in the early days, it's you as the entrepreneur who's going to primarily be driving all of them. So, uh, you know, the, the, the deeper the bench of people who can support you, the more successful you're going to be. Mm, yeah, amazing. And as I think about all the thousand things as a early days in your entrepreneur journey, you have to do, it almost overwhelms you, right? Like, okay, I need to do this. And especially the things that you consider yourself not to be good at or like or things that you may have avoided for one reason or another. So what are some of the things, um, you know, if somebody is thinking and is getting overwhelmed, uh, can do to sort of break down and come up with a plan that makes it uh, not easier, but a little bit simpler to execute? Yeah, so that's that's a good question, and it's it's always you know situational, right? Depending on kind of what you're what you're against, and and it's it's a moving target, right? So the things that you focus on in the first you know year are going to be different than the first, second, and third, and fourth right year, and um, so. But in general, you know, in my mind, th- this is a psychological game. Yeah. Right. Entrepreneurship is is completely psychological. It's in your head. And you can either sort of succumb to the challenges and, you know, when things go sideways and you can, you know, like you, you of course, want to be in a growing f- uh, from to the, to the right and to the top. But, you know, there's there's lots of valleys and peaks that, yeah. that happen along the way in reality. Right. So when that's the situation, you've got to really kind of take a step back. Right. And, uh, and, and reevaluate, right. What, or why are you doing this? Right. What is, what is the, what is the, the core motivation that keeps you going, right. That keeps me going. Mm-hmm. And if that's, you know, and, and so once you are centered on that, then I think it's easier to sort of segment things out in terms of, okay, what are the issues that we need to tackle now? And, you know, what are the resources that I have available that, you know, we, we can deploy towards those issues mm-hmm. or what resources do I need? Right. Uh, you know, who, who do I know who can help me with this particular problem? Mm-hmm. Right. And I've, I've, I've had lots of times in the, you know, in the early days um, when we're you know negotiating, a, a, you know, a large 
a business contract and I, you know, I felt like, Oh, I'm a little bit out of my depth here. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll call up friends and people who I've known that, um, you know, that are good at that particular thing and, you know, I'll get advice and, you know, you talk to three or four people, you can then have enough competence to probably move the ball forward. Right. Um, and eventually you hire for that function, right? Like, like hi- hiring in my mind, you want to hire people who can do something 10 times better than you can. Yes. Right. Yes. And that, that's how I approach it. Right. From a, from at least a senior management team where if, if I have to hire someone, then I have to coach them and, you know, uh, help them grow. You know, that that's, that's fine for junior employees and mid-level managers. Yeah. But if we're hiring someone on the exec team, you know, th- for that function, I'd expect them to be, you know, 10, 10, 10x better than me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's hard. That's a high bar. Yeah. But, um, you know, but thankfully, because I'm a generalist, it's not that high. <laughs> yeah. No, there, there is so much golden right there. Like, uh, um, first thing, you know, asking for help, uh, that is great. Then hiring to fill the gaps that you have personally, or, you know, hiring the people are more capable is amazing. Um, uh, advice as a lot of people I've seen, um, um, in my career in, uh, the companies that I worked with or the customers, a lot of times these leadership positions, people are not hiring people who are more capable because out of insecurity and and then you wonder that it never grows or just get stuck so that's a i think a brilliant advice um you have had um you know worked on uh, different enterprises or you know from social enterprise and you had pies and now it's pixel uh pixel if i'm pronouncing it properly uh what are some of the things that are different from your early days that you did that uh, you're no longer there, whether it's, you know, because of the times we are in, whether we have, you know, the lessons you have learned through your journey, uh, what are some of the things that are different today? Yeah, I, you know, I think so what I've learned from my experiences, certainly with you know, the early days of the coalition, um, you know, the uh, Pixel was a social enterprise I did um, r- right after I left Computer Associates. But yeah, I've been very focused on pies mm. and growing this business for, the, you know, for several years. Um, and I think along this journey, the, the the couple of lessons that I've, I've I've actually taken away is that you've got to be really hands on to ensure success. Mm. Right? It's not it's like as as businesses grow, people think, oh, you can be more hands off. Uh, you actually have to be more hands-on and more involved in the details to make sure that you're 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 going to be successful and the people that you're relying on are going to be successful. Um, and and that relates to sort of you know I, I think I now have the ability to hire better than I did um, right. Uh, 10 years ago. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'm, and I've continued to kind of get uh, good lessons or, you know, humbling lessons mm-hmm. in that regard even now, right? Because there, there's always something to learn in terms of uh, making the right decisions because you're, you don't have a lot of data right, to evaluate something, right? Yeah. So, you know, people are going to give you great references and 
Of course, they're going to tell you they can do what you want them to, right? So, um, so being able to sort of parse that, all of that information and kind of, and, and also ask the right questions, right? Yeah. And, and, and then once they're on board, I think the, one of the other key lessons that I've, uh, I've learned both for myself and for my teams is setting really crystal clear goals yeah. of what needs to be accomplished when. Right. Because we're, and, and, you know, and we're in a business which we're growing fast. We're, you know, we're moving fast. We're breaking things. We're changing what the goals need to be. And that's all well and good. Right. That's all well and good. But you've got to kind of have an understanding of what those goals are mm-hmm. um, and make sure that everyone understands what we're driving. And if, and if those goals change, then, you know, broadcast that loudly and communicate that often and to make sure that everyone's aligned about what's the goalpost and where we're heading. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to your earlier point about being clear with your, uh, why, why are you doing business and then being clear about your vision, but also as you pivot, making it clear to your people, because otherwise they will get lost and confused. So I've seen a lot of companies that do well, and they are big and they have seen the other side of it where communication just happens by the means of somebody realizing, okay, it has happened, not by actually communicating. So I think that's a brilliant advice for any leader to make sure their communication is there um, good and clear. Do you see any difference between pre-COVID and post-COVID in terms of the business, the realities and how things are moving now? Yeah, so for sure, there's been. I, I think COVID has changed the the business landscape in in number of significant ways, right? Like I think every every company probably has been impacted and has to sort of rethink what the, what they do and the relevance of what they do to to today's society, uh, right? Because like office spaces have gone away. Uh, you know, companies are revaluing their business models, and you know, for Pies, we we help organizations optimize their business processes. Right, we help people baseline the effectiveness of their business processes. Whether you know, it's a it's it's fraud detection or claim management or uh, you know, uh, quote to cash, right? Whatever business process that a company is is implementing we provide the ability to kind of measure that and then improve that, right? Identify where there's inefficiencies, where there's friction points as it relates to the process, workflows, employees. And, you know, what we've seen with our customers is they've, as they've had to kind of um, rejiggle their business process or introduce new capabilities um, to, to their customers, They've they've all been sort of struggling with okay how do we ensure that we're delivering the maximum results possible right to our customers mm-hmm. and and that's and, and if someone isn't doing that today um, especially uh, leveraging technology to do that they're not setting themselves up for success right because like one big thing that COVID has done is it's you know. Technology and business have always kind of been partners, you know, or people have thought of technology as serving the business. Yeah. 
when you take the physical space out of the equation and, you know, all of the interactions are happening over the web or, you know, or, or, or Zoom or, or what have you, um, technology is the business, yeah. right? So you, so if you're not setting your business up to leverage the, the benefits that you can gain from technology in terms of automation and, you know, being able to sort of quickly introduce new services for your customers, you're not really positioned for success. And, you know, we've seen companies big and small all sort of, you know, really having this kind of business-driven case for modernizing their entire technology infrastructure and software stacks and applications mm-hmm. to just that, right? So I think that's kind of been one big business trend that, you know, I've, I've definitely noticed across the board with our customers. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I've seen, uh, you know, people or companies have to pivot uh, and, you know, re-evaluate what they were doing pre-COVID because it's no longer valid. Everybody has different expectations. And so that's a good tool. Um, since you talked about company and uh, culture and hiring, uh, one of the things uh, I heard from Gary Vee talks a lot about it is that he hires fast and fires even faster. Like he, he doesn't want to waste time in having, um, you know, processes that takes too long to hire and then the processes that takes too long to fire. Is there a uh, philosophy or, uh, you know, any similar thought process that you follow when you have people working for you? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, so the conventional wisdom, right, is like hire, slow, fire, fast, right? Uh, and uh, but given that we we have to grow so quickly, we we wind up hiring fast. Yeah, right? that's just and and the issue with hiring fast is you don't get the opportunity to vet the the person as well as you would if you're hiring slow. Yeah. Right. So in many regards, I, I think the conventional wisdom is probably right, even though we may not follow it, mm-hmm. that you really want to vet someone because when you hire someone, you are, you, you know, you're you're making a bet on them, yeah. right? You're saying, hey, I believe this person is going to help me do whatever job it is that I'm hiring them for. And and once you do that, right, you, you I think, have a fundamental responsibility to try to make sure that that person is successful yes. because otherwise you shouldn't have hired them in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, when you fire someone, it's a, it, it, it's one of the worst things that you can do, right, to, to someone because, it, it, at least in, in the short term, right, because it impacts, it ba- impacts them psychologically, impacts their morale, yeah. it impacts their family, right? It's a, it's, it's not, it's not fun to be fired. Yeah. So when you, you know, so I, I'm a big believer in when I hire someone and I, I realize that, okay, they're not a fit or they're not being successful in what they're doing. It's to me, it's really important to communicate that very clearly, crisply, mm-hmm. quickly, mm-hmm. and, and then put together a, a plan. Uh, and it's, and it's, and it's not an extended point in time, right? It's sort of like, look, this is what we need to do in the next two weeks. This is what we need to do in the next four weeks. And we're going to evaluate on a weekly basis. Yeah. And, you know, and, and either I see a change in that first week, mm-hmm. right? Or that person typically doesn't last a month. Yeah. 
right? Because because when you have that conversation that this is not working, it's a it's a serious conversation, yeah. right? And and we don't do that lightly. So uh, so I think you've got to have a a path towards either course correcting or you know an exit plan for for that person so that they understand that you know like they didn't just wake up one day and you know called in with HR and said, hey, thanks for your service. Uh, so this is your last day. I, I don't think that's that you know that's that's not helpful for for anyone. And that's that's not a culture that we want to have uh, within within a company either. Yeah, no, it's definitely. I think, uh, yeah, I think can be a bad experience. But also, if you're not growing, if you're not in the right place, uh, it's probably the right thing for both the company and the candidate. But it has to be uh, just like you said. It has to be most. Uh, there's needs to be an effort of course correction. There needs to be clear communication. And a lot of companies miss that. Like they are just, okay, it's not working, but they don't take time to make the person understand what is not working. And and then that sort of leaves a bad taste in both, uh, you know, person and whoever is firing. Um, so uh, I think that's a good advice as somebody is building the culture of organization to keep in mind that, at the end of the day, the other side person sitting is also a person. So, you know, they still have mind and heart and they can take things to uh, uh, wrong. In terms of when people work, um, when I grew up or in my time in, um, as an employee, I've seen companies that I worked with, they invest a lot in when it comes to hard skills, right? They, if you're a good engineer, they will want to make you the best engineer you are there. Like in the skills, they'll give you technology. They'll give you people or they'll give you resources. Obviously, you still have to put time to get there. But well, they don't uh, invest a lot of times into soft skills. And what I mean by that, like I, as a programmer, if I'm a very good programmer, the next step is to become lead. And they push you to become lead, but they don't give you skills they don't train you for that they give you another lead who has done maybe well but you almost learn by making the mistakes but not having um the right direction the right tools that allow you to become successful and a lot easier you know it does if you expect somebody to be in a lead or a manager position if you have those uh tools to help them do it um then it gets better. How do you see in while, you know, in your career as an uh, employee and now as an entrepreneur giving jobs, the balance or the need or importance of having soft skills versus hard skills? Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's a great, great question. And like, as, as you're just mentioning that, right, I was thinking back to my, my Wiley days, right, early in my career where I started interacting with, with, with customers, right? Selling to customers, engaging with, with customers. Um, and I certainly didn't have those, those, those soft skills at that time, right? So I, uh, I, I recall, you know, my, my manager at that time, uh, you know, encouraging me to go out and find classes that could, could help me, right? So I, you know, I signed up for classes in, in, you know, marketing, which, uh, I, I started to kind of develop an acumen for. I signed up for classes on presenting, right? Uh, in uh, one of those that I, I remember was like a, 
you know, presentation class where they tape us and play back what we were doing and, you know, showed us that, look, a lot of these skills can be developed, right? Like if you look at the first year of Bill Clinton's term and him giving speeches versus 80 years later and him giving speeches, yeah. it's open day, right? And they, they actually showed us that video, right? And, and of, of sort of doing that comparison. And, and I, you know, and I had a, oh, aha, like, you know, of course, this, this can be done, right? Um, so I, I, I think that's, this is something that companies should invest in. And, and if you're not investing in, in helping your technical teams develop these soft skills, both uh, intra-company at an intra-company level and also at an inter-company level, you're doing yourself a service, right? Because as companies grow, you've, in order to sort of not develop silos of here's engineering and here's product management and here's sales and here's professional services and accounting, you've got to have people who are able to, you know, really talk the same talk, right? And, and these, these soft skills are extremely important in creating a cohesive unit. And, and then if you can do that within the company, well, then you can definitely do that with your customers, right, as well. Um, and, and that leads to growth. That leads to, uh, you know, uh, happier employees, happier customers uh, across the board. Yeah, no, amazing. And I, I think as much as this is um, your employer's uh, responsibility that they should be doing it uh, if they really are, you know, focused on the employee growth and company growth, those leaders are all, uh, always thinking about ways to expand their people. But if you're in a company that is not investing, then that doesn't mean that's the end. You have to take self, uh, you know, uh, responsibility to educate yourself. That's the only way you can get ahead. Otherwise, you will still be in that hamster wheel. And a lot of times, people in technical backgrounds get stuck because of this reason, because they never either knowingly don't do it or either they don't even know that they can go and get better. And so I, I think that's an important point. Coming to the market, yep. right? Uh, what kind of jobs, since it's all changing now, right, in tech and everything, what do you see on the horizon? How is the industry changing in the tech, uh, technology space? Are there some things that you see that are going to become like um, almost uh, – uh, you know, uh, normal for everybody day to day that these are trends that they're going to, that here to, you know, grow and live. We have to live with those trends. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think there's a lot of things that are coming to the forefront and being, you know, have been fueled by COVID. Yes, yeah, certainly uh, automation is one of those things, right? We're seeing a big focus on automation um, in in terms of, creating efficiencies, right? And, 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 a, and, and a lot of that has been driven by the need to kind of do workforce enablement, right? Because everyone's remote and virtual, yeah. uh, but also to sort of just create overall efficiencies in, in existing processes. But in order to know what to automate, right, you, you, you've got to be able to understand what the lay of the land is, right? What, what is, what are the dynamics of where there's friction points and, and, and we're seeing you know, process mining, uh, which, you know, which is really what, what Pies does become something that's becoming a fundamental part of the organizational 
um, stack of services and capabilities to help people understand, well, okay, here's an issue that I have because it takes too long to do this particular step in the process. Once you understand that, now you can sort of make decisions on, well, do I need to do, uh, you know, RPA or do we need to, uh, you know, re-architect the workflow or the process or, you know, is it a training issue for my employees? So these are kind of, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of trends and, you know, specifically around how AI ML is sort of being used to drive automation in particular. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I think a lot of these impacts, uh, of, of, of COVID are here to stay and, and, and really are going to accelerate sort of these, uh, th- these automation capabilities moving forward. Brilliant. I know our time is tight, so I'm going to ask two more questions and then I'll let you go. So, that okay. you know, uh, being an entrepreneur journey or being in this journey where I'm starting from scratch and not having, um, uh, or having a different mindset than an employee where you have to, just like you said, you have to become generalist and you need to learn every process yourself to be, uh, understand and appreciate it. Um, Often what happens is people only see the results like 10 years later, like people see uh, 10 years later of from Joe when he has done, uh, you know, successful in business, but they don't see all the uh, valleys that come in and which are natural part. Uh, What are some of the obstacles that you had to overcome to get where you are just so People can see it wasn't like on day one, Prabhjot was able to bring up these companies and do these things. Yeah. Well, you know, like every every company is an overnight success 10 years later, right? It's or 20 years later. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a really good point that you're making. Um, it's a journey. Um, and, you know, people sort of only see the end results or want to see the end results because that's, you know, we, we, we all want the, you know, the overnight unicorn story, right? Like who doesn't like that? Um, but, you know, it's, it's like I said, there's, there's a lot of trials and tribulations that, that anyone, you know, who gets to a point of building a successful business has to go through. There's just, you know whether it's it's people issues. Um, you know it's 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 sort of you know a lot of people kind of wind up mortgaging their houses, right, to kind of support the the business. You know, I, I certainly invested in the business myself in the early days because uh, you know to me I was betting on myself. Yeah. Right. And, and and I think you know if you're if there's anyone that you want to bet on. It's yourself, and and if you're not willing to do that, well, then you should be an entrepreneur, right? So, I, I it, we probably don't have all the time to get get into all of that. It's it's it's, it's, it's probably a podcast on itself in terms of all the all you know all the things that I messed up on along the way, <laughs> and there's a lot of those. Um, but I, I think the, the 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 one thing that I've discovered is. It, it's really about the people that you work with, mm. right? And 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 if we're if if we have people who complement us, uh, who are authentic and who have grit, uh, you can really move mountains, mm. right? I, I mean, and, and those are the qualities that I look for um, in in people that I'm hiring and people I want to work with, e- even in customers, yeah. right? That I want to do business with. 
because there's there's always ups and downs, yeah. right? And, and you want people with you on your team uh, who are who are going to be not shaken by the first uh, downward uh, fall, right? So that, that's that's uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the biggest lesson that I've learned over the years that it's 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 always about people. Mm. And, and and I need to make sure that I have the right people that are working with me to to help me help me grow and help the business grow. Yeah. And and only fortunately or unfortunately, you can only find about the people by working with people. There's no shortcut. Like you can do all the due diligence in the interviews and hiring and everything. But I yeah. After some point, it's just well, work through. Absolutely, and, and this this is why I love kind of uh, you know doing these side projects with you and kind of chatting with you and you know working with you because I I mean I always learn so much um, and and it's you know and I enjoy it right like this is like this, this has been great and I you know hopefully we do this again soon yeah. um, but uh, at the end of the day that's what it's all about right the the rest are details as they say yes yes. Okay, last question. Um, actually, let me first ask, uh, before I ask the last question, how do people find about more about Pies and uh, about you? How can people connect with you to learn more about Pies? And what yeah, you do? certainly uh, check out Pies.com. That's P-Y-Z-E.com. That, that's our uh, site. You can kind of get more information, request a demo. Uh, you drop me a note on on Twitter, uh, Pising SF, uh, or or Pies Inc. Yeah. On, on on Twitter, but uh, certainly uh, you know uh, you could reach out to Manfred, who can connect, connect you with me directly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, check out our website, uh, and you know if you think Pies could be helpful in helping the baseline and improving operational excellence. Uh, for your business, and and that's what we're really about. We're we're all about helping drive operational excellence, regardless of what your business is, right? Whether whether you're a financial institution, you're a tech startup, you're a healthcare company, manufacturing company, we help identify, you know, where are their issues, whether it's your supply chain or, uh, you know, a customer service process. We can help you improve that and drive better margins and better customer satisfaction. Amazing, amazing. And I'll put those links in the episode details so can read you. So um, the last question is that, uh, you know, if somebody who is not satisfied with the work wherever they are, whatever they are doing, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, just the income, whether it's they're just not happy with what they do and they want to do, um, you know, get into their entrepreneur side of the things, what advice would you give them to, you know, what can they do to just get started? Yeah. So the, the, the biggest advice I would give is to find out what you're passionate about, hmm. right? That's, uh, that's the, that, that's, that's really the first thing that anyone who wants to sort of quit their job and, you know, go do something else. And what, you know, whether it's, you want to freelance, you want to, become a contractor, you know, you want to start the next Facebook, right? Whatever it is, uh, make sure that you're passionate about what you're doing and, and then develop a plan to get there. Right. And, and it's going to be 
you know, and, and, you know, have no doubt that you should plan for, you know, 24 or 36 month journey mm. to before you start seeing real results. Right. And, and you can figure out where along the way you want to quit your job <laughs> to be all in. Right. But it, it's, it's very rare that, you know, anything is a overnight success. And, and by overnight, I mean, you know, 12 months, right. Yeah. Especially in SaaS, uh, right. You, you, you getting to product market fit, finding the first customers, generating, you know, revenue from the first five or 10 or 20 customers, um, is something that you're going to need to do before you can raise real money to sort of start growing and um, the business. Uh, so if you're not passionate about it, you're going to fizzle out, right? Or you're going to say, hey, it's, this is too tough. So find something you're passionate about. Make sure you can make that commitment of you know, 24, 36 months um, and then get the right team together to go and execute on it. And, um, and you know, if you've got those things, I, 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 uh, I think you'd be, you'd be successful. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly if I'm, if I'm able to help, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. So feel free to reach out to me. I can share. Anything. Thank you. Thank you so much for George for this time. I have so much to learn. I mean, I, uh, uh, I wish I was taking notes, but I have the video. I can go back and I have you, but uh, you're, you're, you're doing amazing in terms of how you started. So I, I'm, I'm very kind of excited to kind of follow closely and, uh, you'll see how the journey goes. And, All right. Yeah. So I'm uh, with you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you everyone. See you on the next episode. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. And if you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave your comments. Really important that you let me know what you liked, what you didn't like. What would you like to listen to more? If you like what you listen, check out other episodes. They're exactly what you need from different guests, different strategies. And I'll see you on the next episode. Till then, like, subscribe, and do leave me comments. Thank you.